Lucas, I have um, I have a little bit of a belated confession slash um, discovery that I want to put out here because I, I well, feel because this is the place to do it. Well, Will, it's the holidays, you know. It, it's 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 season's greetings, and it's the time of year where you're with your family. And I, I guess it's also if we're, you know, viewing, I guess in the in the festivist sense, it's also airing of grievances and maybe even the airing of secrets as well. So so let it let it rip. Let me have it. Hit me with the 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 confession. I want to take you and our listeners back to uh, the beginning of Arthur. Season three, I think it was uh, the, epi- the episode where Buster. Of the mind. Yeah, the episode where Buster comes back uh, from his trip. The episode's yep. called Buster's Back, or no, it's no. I'm sorry, it's the one after it. It's I, I, same same episode anyway. Um, you and I probably talked about the fact that when Buster gets back, everybody is obsessed with this children's performer named Cresblane, the Merry Magician. Yes. I, oh, how could I forget about Cresblane? And you, I'm pretty sure you and I spent some time talking about the nature of the name Cresblane, and it finally hit me. It hit me like a bolt of lightning when I was doing the dishes a couple weeks ago, and I had to get it on the pod here, in case, because I'm sure we didn't. I don't. I'm pretty sure neither of us got this at the time. Cresblane, if you think about it, is a combination of the magician's names Kresgen and David Blaine. To make Cresblane. Well, it's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> Finally. I, 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 we, I had we, to get it off my chest. We are, we are, you know, all I wanted for Christmas was for us to not lose our status as the foremost Arthur experts. Hmm. And had that infraction stood, uh, someone would have figured it out eventually and, and stolen our mantle. But luckily, you know, we, we came to our senses beforehand yes because of the magic of, of the holidays we just had we had to do it to them uh yes holidays are well in swing here on elwood city limits the episodic arthur podcast welcome everybody and hope whatever you're celebrating or maybe what you're not celebrating is uh currently giving you the posy feelings my name's will young and that's lucas mancini over there uh, i'm lucas mancini and all i want for christmas is that brand new will and lucas shirt from the elwood city limits store yeah let's talk that's about all it i want let's talk about uh, it uh, that's, that's pretty much all there is it's it's our good friend of the show josh owen he made us a poster when it was uh uh you know best of halifax season and mm-hmm. now he's made us this lovely shirt that you could get at the elwood city limits store along of course with our og Elwood City logo shirt, which is a classic, and it comes in Arthur orange, as well as in a hoodie, and they both come in tank tops as well. Yes, uh, Josh has done a really fantastic design. If you take a close look on the t-shirt site there, uh, you can see how it has the hallmarks of the show so far, some of the leading characters. It even has a, a caricature of you and I that I particularly appreciated. It's a it's a one-of-a-kind style from, uh, from Josh, who is a uh, uh, an up-and-coming filmmaker and artist in his own right, also the uh, the co-owner of Mally Stream. That's so. right. He's he's one third of Mally Stream, uh, which has been on hiatus. But I'm I'm uh, done with work for a little bit, or at least work has really slowed down. So uh, mm-hmm. keep your eyes on that same bat channel. Uh, subscribe to Mally Stream on YouTube if you want to hear me do this shtick. But 
on a video game. And will we still we'll get you on Mally stream one of these days? I'm sure. I know. We, we'll we'll have to have an Arthur game stream. Yes, that's a great idea. Um, so yeah, we have this wonderful new thing to offer you over on our um, um, is it we're 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 Teespring right? That's right. Yes, if you go to Teespring, uh, Elwood City Limits dash store, um, or whatever, uh, the exact URL is in that middle thing that uh, the the word from us. So, yeah. <laughs> and of course, it, the easiest way is if you just go to the Elwood City Limits Twitter. Uh, it's it's linked there. It's the top tweet there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can uh, you can check it out over there, and uh, well, you, it'd be a great present for somebody who uh, in your life who enjoys Elwood City Limits, or hey, a present for yourself. Uh, you know, it's all about the season of giving, but you also have to be kind to yourself. Uh, I've been giving myself a few Christmas gifts as well, and now it's time for me to uh, pick some up for, uh, other people who are very deserving of my love and affection, who are, uh, a great many, including you, the listeners, which is why we are keeping, uh, keeping up the ECL output here in December. Uh, Will, do you know what's a gift I'd like from you? Hmm. Some emails, baby. That's the only gift I want to receive. Sure. Well, I can definitely do that. We've got a couple of emails, including one from a brand new listener and some old, and some old favorites as well. So let's make sure that they get some love in here, too. Our first email over at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com comes from LionDogZXA, who is wishing us a happy American Thanksgiving. A couple weeks past now, but appreciate it all the same. A few episodes ago, you discussed postcards from Buster. I didn't watch it a lot, but one memory I have with the show comes from an episode where Buster visits a swim meet and films a movie trailer for a pool's snack bar. Hmm, interesting. I wonder which part of the country that took place in. Yeah, that doesn't seem very regional, does it? No. Moving over to the episode Desperately Seeking Stanley, Brain mentions having a stuffed pig named Plato that he gave to someone who could take better care of him. Later on, when Arthur visit, visits Grandma Tibble's stuffed animal collection, you can see a pig that could possibly be Plato. Oh, I totally missed that. I should have. Uh, thank you to our eagle-eyed viewer, Lion Dogs at XA. Also, See, this is why I'm glad that you, you came out with the correction about Cresblane, because you know Lion Dogs at XA would be on us for that. I'm I'm surprised that uh, it's taken all this long. That that episode we talked about was probably over a year ago. Also, with Christmas on the horizon, what are your favorite Christmas presents that you've ever received? Uh, Lucas, favorite Christmas present that you've ever received in your life, or it, like, or you can do a couple, of course. I, I think I've actually talked about this on the show before, mm. uh, but for those of you who don't remember, or if, if on the off chance I haven't, it's definitely uh, my diecast metal. I still have it to this day. My diecast metal twentieth anniversary Optimus Prime. Mm. Um, yeah, that would have yeah. been like like in grade six or five of elementary school when I got it. I was still I was probably a little too old, maybe, but I, I still was way into Transformers at the time. You know, I was way into the lore. I had the, like, DK Publisher's Guide to Transformers. I read all the comics. I watched the 80s cartoon. I love Transformers. And 20th Anniversary Optimus Prime was a present I never expected to receive because it's literally a $100 action figure. Like, it was $100 brand new. Yeah. Which, at the time, when you're used to getting for action figures for, like, 30 bucks, was unspeakable. This is before I knew about anime figurines. But anyway... <laughs> Um, at the time it was like an unspeakable amount of money and I never expected to get it. And, uh, I was overjoyed when mm-hmm. I got it at Christmas to the point where I still have it to this day. And it's still pretty cool. Cause it's like, it's really heavy and hardy and it's like made of this metal. And like, 
I bet I, I should look up what it's worth now because they stopped selling them. Great question. Um, yeah. The, and especially, I mean, in fandoms like Transformers, these can run you a lot a lot of money, dude. And I, and I don't have to tell you that. if you, You're probably more used to it than I am. But sometimes I take a look at these and I'm like, man, it's wild what people can spend their money on. And, you know, I'm one to talk. I'm sure I've spent my money on equally uh, frivolous things. So no judgments. Just like, wow. <laughs> And I also, what I kind of into that present is that it's a very much like a classic Christmas present. You know, nowadays I'm more excited about like um, a book or a video game or clothing is like one of the main things that I get really excited mm-hmm. over. A gift card to a restaurant, perhaps. But I think like an action figure is a very classic uh, Christmas present. And I don't know, um, not to sound like a boomer or anything, but I wonder if kids nowadays, they're just like, yeah, can I get some V-Bucks? Yeah. As opposed to, so so uh, I'm definitely nostalgic about my 20th anniversary Optimus Prime. Dude, you could open up his chest and the Matrix of Leadership is in there. That's oh, crazy. What a, what a nice touch. That's so cool. And you can use that with your other uh, Transformers as well. Uh, so my, fav- my favorite is, uh, Christmas present that I've ever got is the Nintendo 64, which is a Christmas present I actually got twice. Uh, the first time was when I was uh, 10 or 11 years old, and it was my very first console, and I definitely cried. I was so happy. I was the, I was the Nintendo 64 kid. Um, like, I, I watched that meme some years and years later, and I was like, wow, that was that's exactly how that <laughs> went. That's the excitement that it inspired in a young me. And then uh, I think it was a year after I started dating my wife, she bought – she knew that the Nintendo 64 that I had had – since I was 10 um, was kind of on the fritz. Like it was doing the thing where it would just shut down just randomly. Like it would just turn the game off and I would lose all my progress, which is why I've never played further in Banjo-Kazooie. So she went on to Kijiji and bought me a quote unquote new Nintendo 64, which I still have to this day and break out. Was your reaction the same? Were you like screaming and running around the apartment? No, not quite, but it was, it was a really solid find, and it was it was a uh, it was um it it was a real communication that uh, that she really listened that I felt very listened to at that point, and uh, it was a really it was a very thoughtful gift. So yeah, Nintendo sixty four really comes through in the clutch, and I've had some other really fantastic uh, Christmas presents as well, including uh, tickets to my first WWE live event. That was a great Ooh, Christmas too. That's a really good Christmas present. Favorite N sixty four game, real quick. Uh, uh, oh, oh, uh, Ocarina of Time. That's, that's, that's a really solid answer. Yeah, it's a legacy answer, yeah. I know. But it's, hey, it's, it's true. But I will say this, uh, Ocarina of Time is 1,000 times better on the 3DS than it ever was oh. on the Nintendo 64. I'm a, you know, it's got its shortcomings, but I have to be honest with myself, I'm a Star Fox 64 man myself. Star Fox 64 is a fantastic game that you can play end-to-end in, like, half an hour. It's, and yeah. that's not a, that's not a... <laughs> That's I'm I'm not bagging on it. That's actually like a good thing. If like if you want to play through like the entire game of Star Fox, I think I did it in I timed myself. It took me like just a minute under thirty. Good luck. That's my impression of the. Good luck. Knock it all off, Fox. <laughs> oh yeah, no, we can't get into the Star Fox voices because we do that all podcast. I could be like cocky little freaks all podcast. You know what I mean? I could be talking about you know. Andros's enemy is my enemy. <laughs> Andros has ordered us to take you down. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we could keep going. Can't let you do that, Star Fox. <laughs> what does he say? What's his friend that shows up? He's like, Bill. Yeah, Bill. <laughs> Fox, that's one of ours. <laughs> Husky unit, cover the base. 
You're just like your father. <laughs> your father helped me like that too. <laughs> Step on the gas. Yeah. Let's uh, let's yeah. keep going through our emails. Uh, to Kelsey, longtime listener Kelsey, who was also not terribly impressed with Muffy's art attack. Uh, I think Kelsey falls on uh, on my end of the spectrum on that one. See our previous episode. Also, the laughter from Bailey's art project sounded like Mr. Ratburn's laugh in the dream sequences. I can, I think we kind of thought so too, right? Yeah, I think so. It, Man, it was, are Muffy's art projects already such a blur to me? <laughs> it's just the one that was laughing. It did sound a lot like when like Ratburn is being especially evil in the dream, the the fantasy sequences. Uh, Kelsey letting us know that there will be a lot more Bailey related episodes to come, including the Butler did what. Um, so interesting to note that Bailey will be a bit more of a character, including one involving a reality TV show and Bailey throwing orange juice on a guy. All three of those sound immaculate. You know, the butler did what? Great tie-in with Ryan Johnson's Knives Out, now in theaters. Hmm. Uh, Bailey on a, any... So far, Arthur is hitting it out of the park with the reality TV parodies, so uh, very excited about that as well. I'm all for as much Bailey as possible. Uh, also, do you think we'll ever get another Christmas episode? I'm surprised they haven't yes. done another because they've done three Halloween episodes. Because now that we know Ratburn is gay, looking back at the Christmas special of him sitting at his house less than planning on Christmas by himself, it's kind of sad. Yeah, he deserves a, a nice big family Christmas now, but I got to imagine there's got to be another one in the works someday. By the way, uh, another reason to get the new ECL shirt, the Gay Rat Wedding makes an appearance. Yeah. There's a little, there's a little cameo. That's what's fun about that shirt design is every time you look at it, you notice something new. Yeah. Uh, I loved that. I loved it. <laughs> it. It's very true. Look at look at the look near the bottom right. <laughs> and we have one here from Jeff. Uh, listener Jeff here, who is uh, from Utah, I'm a senior in high school, and I've been listening to the podcast for about six months now, and I'm greatly enjoying it. Me and my four other siblings are big fans of Arthur, as it was a big part of our childhood. Watching Arthur's Perfect Christmas is a tradition around Christmas in our house. Me and my brother Curtis are both avid listeners of the podcast. My brother's even emailed you guys a few times before. Yes, we remember Curtis. He mentioned in his first email that my family named our dog Buster after Buster Baxter. The dog is an Australian shepherd. You mentioned on the podcast a few times just how poisonous chocolate is to dogs, and that's just, and that just a tiny amount can make them very sick and even kill them. And when you mentioned on the latest episode, Tales from the Crib, that Pal would die from eating the chocolate ice cream, I had to email you guys because I would venture to say that our dog Buster, much like eating the ch- uh, sorry, much like the Iocane powder from the Princess Bride has slowly built up a tolerance to chocolate over the years of periodically Wait, eating chocolate. What? Especially when he was younger. So much so that a couple of years ago, while we were at church, he ate an entire jumbo bag of semi-sweet chocolate chips. It should have killed him, but he walked away just fine. Granted, he did throw up about half of it underneath our kitchen table. Okay, so this isn't like... Okay, for a second year, I thought this was like some... Some, uh, oh, you know, my dog, you just got to give him a little bit of chocolate over time, and then it's fun. We're giving him chocolate all the time on purpose, so it's still poisonous. Yeah, I would say, I would say do not try this at home. Uh, he has also eaten a couple of chocolate oranges and various other chocolate treats and had nothing has had nothing more than an upset stomach in the most extreme cases. And because other things such as eating whole loaves of bread and sticks of butter, I believe that much like Buster Baxter, our dog Buster could eat just about anything. 
It also makes me wonder if chocolate is more and less dangerous to certain breeds of dogs because I know how deadly it can be. Disclaimer, we are actually good pet owners and do not give him chocolate to eat. He's just very good at getting into places he's not supposed to get into, as we have learned over the years when we keep food behind closed doors. Uh, and uh, thank you very much, Jeff. Looking forward to every episode. We appreciate your email and uh, the emails from your brother Curtis as well. Well, there you go, Lucas. Um, a singular exception to the rule, let's say. I would. I definitely wouldn't want to field test this theory with anybody else's uh, four-legged friends. So I, uh, you know, I feel like we have to do our due diligence because we really do talk about how chocolate kills dogs a lot for some reason on this yeah. show. Yeah, it does so, come up. It does come uh, up. Here's from uh, www.hillspet.com. Why does chocolate kill dogs? Okay. Ooh, uh, the toxic component of chocolate is theobramine. Mm. Uh, humans easily metabolize theobramine, but dogs process it much, slow, much more slowly, allowing it to build up its toxic levels in their system. Mm. A large dog could consume more chocolate than a small dog before suffering ill effects. A small amount of chocolate will probably only give your dog an upset stomach with vomiting or diarrhea, but with large amounts, it could produce muscle tremors, seizures, irregular heartbeat, and that's what I thought would, would kill the dogs is that it makes their heart go crazy. Yeah. Internal bleeding or heart attack. The onset of theobramine poisoning is usually marked by severe hyperactivity. So we figured out all his questions in one go. Yes, it affects different dogs differently. It's more dangerous for small dogs. And it's probably that his dog only ate small amounts in more, most cases. That's why it didn't get super sick. But please... Elwood City listeners, uh, don't feed your dog chocolate. <laughs> no, definitely not. And I'm glad I learned this before uh, a dog has entered my life at all. Not that it's that's our that's our next T-shirt design. Elwood City Limits says, "Do not feed your dog chocolate." <laughs> yeah, we should. Have, yeah, we should have like a picture of Pal with like the Ghostbusters logo <laughs> yeah, and like exactly. chocolate or something. <laughs> all right, thank you everybody for your emails over at uh, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Speaking of thanks. We also want to give thanks to, around, especially around the holiday, we really appreciate everybody who pitches in a couple of extra bucks. And, uh, you know, there's, um, I was thinking recently, I watched a video about uh, how being grateful can actually uh, rewire your brain, make you more positive. And I think, I think it's a good opportunity for us to be grateful to you, especially because uh, with the Patreon money that we get, one of the things that I was actually reminded of, somebody was like, oh yeah, that must be good. You can pay you can pay off your hosting fees. And I'm like, well, yeah, we actually do have fees that we have to pay. Um, but it also helps us to pay people like Josh Owen and commission That's them right. for uh, cool t-shirts. And then you guys can wear that on your bodies. Uh, or you can put them on your dog if you want to. Or your cat. Uh, anyway, the point being, we are very grateful for our patrons, and we would like to give special thanks to William, Teresa, Stella, Shayna Bennett, Riley Stevens, Rachel Pearson, Michaela Gibson, Macy Ball, Light Relentless, Leanne S., Kristen, Kevin Noon, Kaylin Krogall, Kat, John Griswold, John Dulong, Joe Sue, Jake Bailey, Ian Collis, Froppy, Emily K, Dan Mike Dawson Silva, Crescent Fresh, Sierra S, Christine Wong, Chandler LaFave Boten, Caitlin Harrington, Alex, and Aaron DeFilippo. Thanks, everybody. We really appreciate it. Lucas, season eight. It's um, getting time soon to wrap this one up. So uh, 
You know, if if we're gonna TBH, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Again, color uh, I, I, coloring I, the episode before we get into it a little well, bit. Well, I feel like we've had a couple of these in a row where I'm like, I don't know about this season eight business. Mm, I'm really... usually I feel like the optimistic one, but season eight's starting to wear out its welcome as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. This first Arthur story we're talking about is called Flea to Be You and Me. And it actually does start with a flea uh, on Pal. Uh, so Pal is he's got a mad itch going on from this one flea that's really bothering him, and he just can't get to him. And the cold open is pretty straightforward. It's just like Pal can't get this flea. Kate's trying to help him. There's another Pal and Kate episode, so they're talking. And then, and, and I, my first note was, oh, we're doing this again, huh? <laughs> I feel like there was like Pal and Kate stuff like last week. And again, I, I feel like the negative Nancy here, I was the one who was initially like, I'm excited for Pal and Kate to hear new stories and, and, and stuff like that. Well, what was the last time we had an episode about Arthur? <laughs> um, it can't have been that far off, right? I'm, I'm pulling up the season eight episodes. <laughs> I feel like it's been weeks. <laughs> um. Oh well. D- well, he was featured in Desk Wars at least. Kinda. Nah, that was an ensemble. That doesn't yeah, count. Anyway. I want to know about Arthur. I, I I hate to say it. Well, I miss Arthur being anxious. I miss it. <laughs> uh, Arthur Snowbiz. That was a him and Buster episode. Oh God, Arthur Snowbiz! And how long ago was Arthur Snowbiz? That was, was like that was episode three. We are on episode nine of the okay. season. Yeah, it's been enough months. said. It's been months. <laughs> you you really you really cut to the quick in terms of just the simple the simple question. <laughs> so yeah, th- this cold open essentially is at one point we see mom and Arthur like they do the they they do the gag where it's like pal can understand like one word out of 10 or something and he for some reason the words he understands is like good boy and he also understands the word itching like because he'll he heard arthur just like blah blah blue blah 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 blue itching i'm like okay well it's uh weird that he understands that and nothing else but okay and then pal so pal's upset that he feels that if he can't stop the itching then they're gonna shampoo him which i mean pretty low stakes to to end off the cold open uh, pal could use some of that diametaceous earth. Fun, uh, pro tip for all my pet owners out there, which I know we have plenty from all these dog chocolate emails. <laughs> you got a flea problem? You got bed bugs? Get you some of that diametaceous earth. It'll fix that lickety split. I, I swear to God, I thought you were going to say diametaceous earth was like a bad baby mixtape or something. No, but I, let me tell you something. Diametaceous Earth killed I, in the, I, I, in the I, double XL cipher this year. Yeah, I, I could see Pusha T being like, "I move, I move weight like it's I, I'm moving bricks like it's Diametaceous Earth." <laughs> uh, no, Diametaceous Earth. You know, friend of the show, T-shirt designer Josh Owen Extraordinaire. Yes, uh, swears by Diametaceous Earth. He loves that stuff. Okay. Uh, again, kind of filing this away in my brain in in case the day ever comes. But so far, no plans to get a dog for me just yet. Hey, uh, if you, even if you got bed bugs, bro, you don't need a dog to get mm, bed bugs. Get okay. You some of that diametaceous earth. They're gonna be walking across it like it's John McClane walking across glass at his bare feet. They hate this stuff. <laughs> um, did you notice the the nice base lick that we had coming back from the cold open? 
from the yeah, title card. Yeah, a lot card. of fun. So the, this open o- opens with like some accordion. We get this nice bass lick. I, I noticed a lot of the musical stigs in this episode. Yeah, they've been they've been um, getting some new ones in there, and it really helps to uh, keep that part of the show at least a little bit fresh. So again, Pal is kind of out in the yard with Kate, and Pepe is here too, or not Pepe, um, Amigo. Excuse me, Pepe's coming in a second. Uh, Amigo's trying to give him uh, advice for how to get to get the itching away. He says to scratch up against a neighborhood tree that it feels particularly good. Um, so Pal, I think, manages to catch the or no, Kate picks out the flea. And Amigo is very adamant that they crush it because, of course, dogs, fleas, that kind of thing. But no, it turns out that this flea can talk as well. And Lucas, um, not only are we treated to a Kate... What if you we had a Kate and Pal episode, but everybody talking like this? Uh, so I think... I, I think we got to get this out of the way off top. So we're uh-huh. not talking about it the whole episode. Yeah. Are the accents in this episode offensive? Um. Okay. So, I have a note here about this, like, and this, and probably, this one, they're probably not really, but it just doesn't feel right. So I have a I have a note from later on in the episode. So throughout, oh, I think I have a similar. <laughs> no. Well, no, mine mine's not that bad actually. Okay. I, okay. I I said that aside from Pepe, I think they kept a lot of the regional accents on the people that he meets fairly mild and the, the crickets a little i had the same question with the cricket the crickets it, a little dicey i think he, yes uh i think it also could be worse you know uh, like, i mean it could always be worse. this is the thing right and i think this is the difference between this and now uh, i think this is a pro when did this episode come out 2003 okay I so i feel like if this episode came out now they would just have people who actually have those accents yeah. Um, you know, this is this is pre, you know, a poo documentary. This is pre, like, I mm-hmm. think that there's been a cultural shift in animation and voice acting. And this is probably a much larger conversation than we could have just on this podcast. But I'd like to address it here in that I, I think at this time it was the norm, you know, the nature of animation. And we've had conversations with people like Bruce Dinsmore about this, about, you know, you don't just get hired on a show because you could do one voice. Yeah. You get hired on a show because you could do a bunch of voices. And so mm-hmm. they try to utilize and maximize their voice talent and, and making sure that they could do a bunch of different voices. And in some cases, that gets means doing accents. Um, that being said, I feel like, especially in the case with the cricket here, I mean, listen, I come from Italian grandparents. I, I appreciate a mamma mia, it's a pizza pie as much as the next yeah, guy. Yeah, that's uh, what that's what I was wondering about because you are between the two of us, you know, real Italian. So I was hoping that this wasn't too on, on a my nana's sauce. Well, no, I I really I'm not clutching pearls about people making funny Italian accents. Listen, I played a Super Mario game. There's nothing yeah, worth yeah. in this that's worth than him being like, "Woohoo, let's go." But um, it's more so, yeah, those accents later on, like when we get to the cricket and stuff, I'm like, I bet if this episode came out today, they would probably just get someone who had that accent to do the voice. Probably. And, I, and, that's, and that's probably, you know, I, I don't, again, it was a different time. It's a product of a different time. And I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that they would just get someone with the accent nowadays. And I'm just saying that's probably for the best. 
Yeah, so uh, like like we say here, uh, they we're talking with Pepe. Pepe is narrating actually a lot of this episode because it is all about his story. It's kind of a travelogue almost. Uh, and, and I said here, uh, Amigo goes to crush Pepe and he's like crying and begging for his life. And I had the note, it's been almost three minutes into this episode and I've seen this flea cry twice. <laughs> like oh this- yeah, get used to this. Th- uh, again, Arthur, the gang, all the characters you know and love, nowhere to be seen in this episode. <laughs> It's almost like a backdoor pilot for the the Pepe adventures. Yeah, yeah, the Pepe adventures. Let's just say that Pepe did not win throwaway character of the week this week. Okay. That 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 award absolutely went to someone in the next episode. So Pepe um tells a story about how he is originally from Rome. In case you couldn't tell. Yo, he's from Roma. Uh, and his brother, he and his brother Sale were part of a traveling flea circus. I loved in one of the establishing shots for Rome. There's literally a shot where a guy does like the the okay symbol. He does like the curls up the the forefinger and the thumb, and he gestures with it like again like a cartoon character of an <laughs> Italian just doing the hey come on over that kind of thing. No, the motherland, the home country. Yeah. Uh, so they were in a flea circus, and this actually kind of made sense to me that in the world of Arthur, a flea circus can actually be, like, really, like, there's real fleas in there. It's not just a scam. It's yeah. not like, oh, we've got the things on motors. You can't see the fleas? Well, they're definitely there, uh, you know, like in Jurassic Park. Just, I was just going to say, Jurassic the, Park. Look at the fleas. Look at the fleas, mummy. It's just <laughs> like, no, it's, it's, no, it's actually really talented fleas. Uh, it's not a scam. Uh, but they uh, get separated from each other. I think like a gust of wind does that or something. Yeah, yeah. They get blown away. Uh, Pepe's riding on a mouse. He's yeah. He, the he, streets of Roma. Uh, an, an, a mouse with an Italian accent. I forget the mouse's name. It's I mean something something Italian. Um, and the mouse makes mention of the fact again. <laughs> Pepe with tears in his eyes. Uh, the mouse makes mention of the fact that Pepe is. <clears throat> Uh, on the streets of Rome uh, during Passeggiata, which is something I learned from this episode. It's a an evening promenade, promenade, between 5 and 8 p.m., where, as the mouse says, people come out and to just kind of have a walk, see people, and, uh, you know, tour the shops, have a, have a drink, that kind of stuff. One thing I do really like about this episode is kind of the educational, the travelogue aspect. Yes. That's what I liked about Postcards with Buster is I like learning about different places and different cultures and all that stuff. So that, yeah, that, that, I, this, I agree. this was the highlight as well. Yeah. Um, it's I, I have a note here that I really appreciate the educational aspect of this episode where they put in facts about the places they're going, different types of animals, different types of cultures. Um, that's really cool. And uh, that's, I think, you, you said it all, Lucas. Uh, so they... Uh, Pepe's got a great line. Uh, after eating all this food he's not used to eating with the mouse, he goes, you know, my thorax is filled with complex sugars, which I thought was pretty funny. With my thorax full of a complex sugars, I went to sleep. Yeah. And on I... second thought, uh, it's not funny anymore. <laughs> okay. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll keep it to a minimum. No, no, no. I I, I like it when you do it. Well, <laughs> it's just in my Arthur show is when I <laughs> I get a little sick of it when it's the whole narrating voice of the entire episode. It do, it does it, it it's not meant to hold up like a ten minute segment of an episode. I will There's say that. There's a reason that. you don't hear Mario say full sentences. You know he gets he's got a wah a yippee a wahoo 
uh, a Mamma Mia. Or, or when you did, when you did, it was a, it was a far different type of Italian accent. It was Captain Lou Albano. Exactly. Swing your arms from side to side. Do the Mario. Yeah, just like, hey, come on, Luigi, <laughs> let's go over here. You know, a little bit harder, a little bit more uh, to North American more, ears, a little bit more Bronx, common. a little bit more Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, Pepe and his friend uh, eat themselves to sleep, and then Pepe wakes up there on a boat to Africa, which the the Italian rat certainly knows a lot about Africa for a, a rat. I don't I guess, know. I guess he's he's well traveled. Must be. Must well maybe could have been there before. So they make their way over to Africa, which we see people on safari, and uh, we see all kinds of different animals, and he winds up on a hippo. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I apologize. I forgot to write down some of these, uh, animals names. I think, I think the hippo's name is Zala or something like that because he has a bird that is, uh, cleaning pests off of, uh, his back. Yeah. Symbiotic relationship. I do like that. Uh, they, they give everybody kind of culturally appropriate names for the area they're from. That's also another touch. Nice touch. Mm-hmm. And the and the bird here kind of reminds me a bit of Zazu from The Lion King. Very just like, I clean up things from Zala's back. <laughs> uh, so uh, Pepe manages to avoid being killed by uh, doing some fun tricks and entertaining everybody. And then by fate... You know, by by Pepe is basically spirited away to each of these locations. He winds up in a rice paddy in Japan. That's right. So he... Zala submerges themselves. Yes. Into the water. Bath time. Uh, yeah, that's pretty funny, actually. Like Pepe's like, I finally found a home. Like I'm I'm I found like a secure situation. And then Zala's yeah. just like bath time. Like no warning. All the birds, of course, just get right up. But Pepe has to jump away, and he falls into a suitcase. Uh, and makes it to the greater Nippon, Japan. Mm-hmm. And this is where he meets the cricket. Again, I forget what the cricket's name is. And so, yeah, I can, I can, I'm, I'm not going to put up too much of a fight here about the accent on the cricket. It's a now, little... Now, one thing I'll say about the, the cricket is, though the accent's a little bit suspect, I actually really, the cricket is my favorite character in this episode. I really liked the cricket's personality. Yeah, because he's part of like a, a band of crickets that do a musical ensemble, which Pepe finds to be very pleasant. And of course, it's them making their sounds and they are captured and put into a jar and uh, Pepe helps to break him out and return him to his friends so that he can, he can continue making his music. We even get uh, Pepe doing a little bit of an aria. He ends up leaving, leaving Japan like uh, in, he accidentally uh, <laughs> he finds himself in a bottle of very funny smelling of water or uh, homemade rice vinegar from my old pen pal Tatsia. <laughs> uh, this I actually love. This is my favorite thing in the entire episode is that for, you know, considering last episode kind of completely was it last episode or the episode before that completely threw continuity out the window where we refused to acknowledge that Buster had gone with his father on a trip before. Uh, I feel like that was the most glaring spitting in the face of uh, Arthur continuity we had seen yet thus in the show. This mm. was a great return to form in that I'd completely forgotten that uh, Arthur's inspiration for getting a pen pal was because his dad had a Japanese pen pal way back in the day. Right. Was that the same one, I wonder? Yeah, no, he... that's the same one. It's his pen pal Tetsuya because it, um, it's the episode where Arthur's emailing yes, um, yeah, his, his uh, friend. Adi- Dear Adil. Yeah, yeah. So in 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 a dear Adil, his inspiration is um, Arthur's dad has his pen pal Tetsuya from Japan. 
Hmm. That's a good catch. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Uh, so that's how Peppy find, finds his way onto Pal, and that's where how he ended up where he is now. Uh, and so Kate and Pal would very much like to help him find his brother, but uh, are kind of at odds at how to do it. They're wondering if they should mail him or if they should email him. Ha ha ha. And eventually he finds his way onto a squirrel and says his goodbyes. Uh, Kate, Kate says a line where she goes, I have a feeling we have, haven't have heard the last of him. Uh, Will, what do you think the chances are that we've heard the last of Pepe? I'd say... <laughs> what do you think the chances are that Pepe goes the way of Spanky and Toadie and never shows up again? <laughs> well, to be fair, Spanky's dead. <laughs> Spanky's so... dead. Spanky's ghost. And Toadie did show up again. I, I know, like once, briefly. But that's more than that's more than the zero I would guess about Pepe. I think I think Pepe's done for. Uh, and Mom notices that Pal stopped stopped scratching himself, but uh, might as well give him a bath anyway. Lucas, how tough is it to bathe a dog? Really, it's not really that hard. I don't. I mean, it depends on the dog. Like some are more adverse to bathing than others, but um... I've just I've just I think cartoons have told me that it is uh, superlatively difficult to bathe a dog. No, it's it, my dog is not that averse to bathing. Okay, uh, so the ending of the of the story is that they find an ad, or they have mom has an ad delivered to her in the mail for Datore Polche's amazing flea circus, including the reunited brothers Pepe and Sale. And Which, so that's supposed to be like the heartwarming moment of like closing the episode of like, ah, oh, Pepe remembered them. But there's this hilarious, like barely on mic line that you could hear of mom saying like she's talking to herself and she's like, I asked for our address not to be sent out. I don't understand how it's like uh, you have to be listening pretty closely to hear it. But I was like, I got a kick out of that. She's very annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> and I said no uh, junk. So no junk mail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And so I guess they reunited all's well. There you go. Uh, before we get into uh, well, this this part of the episode, let's uh, take a break here and uh, let you know how you can support us, and we'll be right back. Remember those t-shirts? Support for Elwood City Limits is really easy. First of all, you can visit us and follow us on social media. You can go to facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. On Twitter, you can follow us at ECL Podcast. We're also on Tumblr, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. You can also go to our Instagram, Elwood City Limits. Follow us over there, too. You can also contribute to us on a monthly basis over at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. We have corresponding rewards for when we hit certain levels of patronage. So please, if you feel like you would like to donate financially to us, you're under no obligation to, but if you want to, patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Also, if you want to have a little bit of ECL on your person, go to teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood hyphen city hyphen limits hyphen store. Make a little rhyme out of it. <laughs> you can go over there and get a t-shirt, a hoodie, or a tank top with the Elwood City Limits logo on it. And we've got even more designs coming in real soon. So make sure to check back there. Finally, share this podcast with a friend who likes animation, who likes Arthur, or who just likes having fun. Sharing us on social media, sharing us with people you know, and sending in your emails to elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. All are fantastic ways to support us, and we thank you very much very much now let's get back to the show all right so moving on now to kiss and tell hmm. 
I still I can't help but feel weird about this one, and we'll 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 talk about why. Uh, we actually start off here. We have DW playing the role of Juliet in Romeo and Juliet, but with a, a typical DW spin. Uh, she does. She does the line and then just goes, "Yo, Romeo!" Like she's DDP or something. <laughs> like not she's from she say, Joy-Z. Not only does she say "Yo, Romeo," she says "Yo, Romeo." I haven't got all day, you know. She Perfect. she rhymes. Perfect. DW here uh, looks totally different with her hair straightened like this. Well, I think her hair's significantly longer as well. If you look at her ponytail, it is. But it's like very. It's very straightened back as well. It's just like yeah. it almost looks like a different character. So, Speaking of different characters, this isn't Romeo at all. It's it's Prince Charming from Rapunzel. Yeah, and he's got a he's got a swell cleft in his chin. You know, <laughs> notice this? Notice this thing? You could cut bricks with it. Yeah, he's he's definitely got the Travolta going on. <laughs> uh, so DW is looking to find her Romeo, and uh, the Prince from Rapunzel is not exactly it as he climbs up the ivy and then falls down. Uh, so the meat of this episode is that DW is talking to Emily who has just come, and uh, listeners, you couldn't see it, but my eyes, they did roll, as I said, the name Emily. Um, we uh, Emily, like, it's funny. Emily does remind me, like, she's the exact same character as that one girl from Angela Anaconda that went to France and then came back and is, like, supposed to be... Yeah, Nanette is supposed to be overtly annoying, like, as annoying as possible, and she exudes the exact same behavior as Emily, but I don't think you're supposed to feel the same way about Emily. Like, Emily and, and DW have this kind of friendly, competitive rivalry going on. Mm. But she really is starting to get, like, X-Pac heat here. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into Emily in a second. So uh, she's talking about how she – Emily's talking about how she went to France and she did this and she did that. And DW is getting kind of jealous. She has a um, She has a French version of Tower of Cows to which DW says, I don't know how to stack French cows. Excuse me, Will. La Tour des Vaches. Ooh, La Tour des Vaches. <laughs> That's, that just made me think of from uh, – Holy Grail, just Pachita Vash. <laughs> Pachita Vash. <laughs> Emily has that, and then also talks about how um, she. Uh, what was what was the boys? What was the boy's name that she was? Oh, like uh, Francois. With, I have no yeah, idea. Like Andre all I, I only know is she's stupid. talking about all the fun things she did with this boy. And DW has an incredible retort where she says, "Tommy Tibble and I did cannonballs in the pool for four whole hours." <laughs> Just that's, too- that's almost the better half of a business day spent doing cannonballs in the pool. And I mean, yeah, she DW taking it very much on face value, but uh, Emily adding this great romantic significance to it. Uh, talking about how you know they they cha- they played tags in in the Louvre and all this kind of stuff, and then uh, and then one and then one day while we were watching a puppet show, it just happened. He kissed me, and it's just like it was the most romantic thing in my life. And I just wrote, Emily, you're four years old. <laughs> D.W. is uh, understandably disgusted. At mm. first, she tries to she tries to uh, justify it as, oh, this must have been a dare. This is you know you have done something. You have. Uh, purposefully grossed this boy out by making him kiss you. But no, Emily explains to DW, you know, she wanted him to do this. Um, and and Emily trying to justify it is talking about like, oh, you know, you kiss your, your dad or your grandma. And then DW says, you know, kissing a boy your own age is an entirely different kettle of worms. It was after this opening scene with Emily that I wrote the I wrote the note here that I feel like Emily definitely grows up to either or have a live laugh love picture framed in her house 
and maybe be one of those people on Facebook that tries to get you into a pyramid scheme. Oh, yeah. Emily, big time, is selling Sensi and yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, what are I, the other ones? Like like just Avon and like, yeah, for sure. Except it would be La Sensi and ugh. Du Avon. Yeah, see, like speaking of X-Pac she, she, here. She, ex- she exclusively works in French pyramid schemes. Emily's Emily's working heel in the Elwood City territory here. She was, I, I was not here for any of this. Emily kind of sucks. Uh, no, and, yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, I, 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 I don't like the trend that like, you know, we end up hating these like mostly female characters. I've noticed of just like we didn't like Prunella and we don't, we didn't like Muffy for a little bit. Now it's like, oh, me, now, I, n- now, yeah. in your defense, Will, you really did hate that kid in that other third grade class. <laughs> <laughs> that one that that one line kid from the first episode but i feel like you hate that kid more than you i've disliked any of these characters oh yeah that, kid, that little wiener i'd like to smack that kid and um, sometimes sometimes arthur <laughs> annoys me sometimes i don't like arthur mm-hmm. uh, uh but you know i just want to put it out there that it's it's not like we don't hate i we don't dislike them because they're girly it's just no, uh, I, it's, Muffy's it's, really it's, Muffy's really been growing on me lately. To be perfectly honest, especially em- compared to Emily. Now, again, Emily's she's just that character from Angela Anaconda. It like going to France and then coming back and then acting like you're like above everybody because you went to France is not a thing that makes people endeared to you. Like that's not things that people everybody hate. It doesn't like. Everybody hates that. Like, if, if you go somewhere, if, like, for instance, okay, my friend Dud just got back from Japan. Um, mm. And if he shows up at my door in full samurai garb saying Osama Tezuka is the god of manga, <laughs> I'd be like, done, what the hell? Uh, yeah, I mean, it is it is great heel heat. She is really acting like the antagonist here. It's just like working a little too well. It's getting me, and it's not just getting me. <laughs> I'll out her. I'll out her here, and I'll definitely bleep this as well. But uh, uh, sometimes when I watch an Arthur episode, uh, my wife Jenna's next to me, and she's not not really watching the episode actively. She's just kind of hearing it. And so after one of Emily's lines, she just looks at me. He's like, "This girl is such a." B- <laughs> I um it it's you know all this talk it reminds me of I recently rewatched Noah Baumbach's Kicking and Screaming not the Will Ferrell movie but the really uh, good okay. the, I love Noah Baumbach movies and Kicking and Screaming is one of my favorites but there's a running joke in that movie where you know all the other college students are like oh you haven't been to Prague you haven't <laughs> been to Prague oh you once you go to Prague you'll hate American coffee hmm. um and uh, Emily has big oh you haven't been to Prague energy. So she could be she. You could put you could transplant her into a Bombach movie pretty easily. Yeah, as an antagonist. <laughs> uh, so yeah, as 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 you kind of got into she, uh, DW talks with Nadine about like the different types of kissing. I thought this was kind of interesting. Like the, in in this conversation, they rule out kissing the Tibbles very quickly, which I thought was v- very good. They just just like what about what about Timmy or Tommy Tibble? <laughs> no. So I was like, good. She has some standards at least. Uh, we, and we Speaking see the of the Tibbles, I just want to mention this real quick just because it yeah. popped into my head. Uh-huh. Um, so vaping was recently, you know, they're going to make it so you can't buy vape. Like uh, vape juice is being made illegal in Nova. Well, not illegal, but they're making it so you can't sell it in Nova Scotia. Yeah. Uh, they're they're fl- banning. Fl- fl- flavored vape juice, right? Yes. They're banning this, of which there is no other type currently. Uh, okay. So they're they're banning the the sale of flavored vapes like jewels and stuff like that, um, okay. and it's because there is an epidemic in elementary and high school and junior highs of 
of like 14 year olds vaping in the bathroom and they love hitting the jewel they love their nicotine right mm. um you know the tibbles would love hitting the jewel oh totally you these know that the, the tibbles would bags. totally be be vape kids yeah these these little dirt bags they're <laughs> scamming people out of v bucks and uh uploading crass tiktok memes and oh yeah the, the tibbles uh, are totally like stealing grandma's uh credit card to buy v bucks and they're they're vaping cucumber jewel pods. Um, the tibbles the tibbles have big it's just a prank bro energy. Ooh, I like that. Iron unironically watching the Paul brothers. Growing up watching the Paul brothers. The tibbles are the Paul brothers. The Paul brothers are twins too, or they're not twins, but they they're brothers. Jake, Jake and Logan, Tommy oh and Timmy. Oh my god, the tibbles would definitely move to LA and start like a YouTube collective. Team ten, team tibble. No! That's it! Oh no! It's every day, bro. It's every day, Tibble. It's uh. every day, Tibble. We've we've cracked the code, Will. Oh man, we are behind the looking glass now. This is this is too real. Oh no! I it was right in front of us too. Like I know, I feel I mean, like it, at, at least from... it feels like it from the amount of times I see those two fools. I, in I, my, I feel in like we just eyesight. had an epiphany. I feel like Charlie from It's Always Sunny in front of his like corkboard. With all the <laughs> pictures Pepe, strung with, together, with Pepe Sylvia, <laughs> exactly. Um, so it, we actually speaking of, and again speaking of the Tibbles, the Tibbles are kind of walking around, uh, and they see DW through the fence. We this is one of the only times we've seen DW interacting with Nadine from the perspective of someone else. So it's literally DW talking to herself, and yeah, I thought that was kind of really disturbing. It's like something out of Shutter Island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 kind of like it, it it reminds you of just like oh that's right Nadine doesn't exist. <laughs> the whole thing is that the Tibbles overhear DW. They think that she wants to kiss them, and she's just like I don't know why they're acting this way. And that's kind of what they do for the rest of the episode at uh, preschool the next day. It's between uh, DW and Emily. DW wants to do like lullabies with Mary Moo Cow for their nap time music. And uh, Emily wants Alouetta, I believe. Okay. This whole sequence, I take, I have many issues with this whole sequence. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So what happens is, is that it goes to a vote, and the deciding vote goes to a kid we've seen in the background for quite a while now in Arthur. One of the, uh, and his name is James. You might remember him. He is a little, a little boy rabbit. He's got glasses. He's kind of nerdy you, you've, looking. You've compared him to Griffin McElroy before. Yeah, and uh, very much looks like a McElroy brother. Just kind of, just kind of a little, a little nerd, but he's, you know, he's cute, uh, and he usually wears green. So James votes for Mary Mukau, which inspires D.W. to be the, uh, to say to herself that she wants James to be the one that she kisses in so, order to stay, keep up with the Joneses with Emily. So, what kind of preschool exercise is this? Okay, so first of all, she takes it to a vote. <laughs> to decide what music they all listen to. And in the first place, this is like a terrible way to decide this because it's turning the kids against each other. You know, right. they're, it's literally dividing the classroom in half in the, the Mary Mukau supporters and the non-Mary Mukau supporters. And whoever's CDs doesn't get picked is going to feel terrible. Um, and then to make matters worse, 
they put the entire pressure of the decision on James. And this is kind of what I love about James, is this is why James is the throwaway character of the week. Even though he's probably going to show up again, but this is the most time we've ever spent with James. And I think the first time we've heard dialogue from James. But, like, immediately... When James like shows up on screen, he is the most hapless individual we have ever seen. Like, hapless, hapless, but also like just kind of content to do his little things. Oh, like uh, unassuming is the word. I unassuming is a good yeah. one. Yeah, you you look at James and you're like, it's like the John Mulaney line about I don't look like the uh, people don't think I'm an alcoholic because I don't look like I used to be anything. I just was eating saltine crackers and I walked out on stage. Uh, <laughs> James is very much the type where he looked like he just got back from eating some saltine crackers. Yeah, um, and, he, and and that's perfectly fine with him. Oh, yeah, for sure. But he doesn't look like the type that would want to make a class-dividing decision, uh, which is what the onus is put on. It's put on James to decide he is the, you know, the arbiter of what music we'll listen to this evening. It just seems like a lot of pressure to put on the poor guy. Yeah, but he, I mean, he decides, and there's no big controversy about that, but uh, DW, when she goes to, when she goes to sleep, she has a dream that if she went up to kiss James, just on the cheek, James turns into a frog, and Miss, uh, Miss, uh, what, uh, what's her name, uh, Miss Morgan, Miss Morgan uh, scoops up James and puts him in a tank, of little of little kids who have been kissed and have been turned into frogs, which apparently happens, and then it also happens to the people who have kissed those, kissed them as well. So DW ends up turning into a frog as well and getting put into the uh, this little aqua- uh, not aquarium, but like little habitat for frogs, and some. And then th- this this mm, this was weird. Like this is the longer very this, weird. this this was, the longer this went on, the more this ended up being a, a bit more disturbing. Like a fly. My, 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 my one note about this is just frog nightmare. That's all I wrote. Well, like a fly ends up buzzing into the tank, and it's like bigger than you want to think of a fly being, and like somebody's like, "Are you gonna eat that?" And then the frog eats the fly, and it's. And DW, all the while, DW is like screaming, "Help! Get me out of here! I'm a, I'm not a frog. I'm a little girl. Help me! Help me!" And it's just like this is like the end of a Goosebumps episode, where well, it's like well, it I just had the, ends. I had the frog nightmare again. The frog nightmare. This is this was a little a little shocking, just just a little, nothing too crazy, but like also it did the Goosebumps thing. I felt was pretty apt. It just felt like. Uh, th- then the the green ooze is going to start coming down the screen, and we're going to hear the da 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 da. That's the end of the episode. <laughs> thankfully, not though. Uh, thankfully, that's just a DW's nightmare here. So she is a little kind of still wondering what to do. She ends up at, <laughs> she ends up coming to Arthur for help, who's doing homework in his room, and just like Arthur, what do you know about kissing? He's like, what? Nothing. Again, <laughs> that was a great line. I feel like I've never been happier to see Arthur. I was like, oh, yeah, Arthur. <laughs> it's, I expect, like, the sitcom, like, applause. Like, hey, it's Arthur. Yay. Remember Arthur? <laughs> Hopefully he comes back within the next pair of episodes. Maybe, oh, maybe... I hope so. <laughs> anyway, he was, he was lovely to see here. Uh, Arthur is wonderful in this episode. Yeah, he's like, what? I don't know anything about kissing. Uh, and then he explains 
um, DW presses him, by the way, and asks if he knows anything about the birds and the trees. Uh, <laughs> and then Arthur goes into detail about the plot of Romeo and Juliet, which is like, this is a pretty advanced third grade class to be reading Romeo and Juliet in third grade. Not into detail necessarily. I really like this. Just he, because he, he's like, uh, there are these two people. They fall in love, but they're from opposing families, and everything ends really badly because <laughs> they can, certainly cannot explain what happens at the end of Romeo and Juliet on a PBS kids show. Yeah. So I like how he kind of skirted over it. Uh, but no, Arthur's not really any help in finding out about love. But uh, DW gets the idea to maybe don a disguise. Uh, to fool James into kissing her, and she has like on like Karl Marx glasses, and or not not Karl Marx, Karl Marx glasses, <laughs> Marx Brothers glasses the next day, and like a boa and a beret, uh, in order to try and fool James. But James is just like, oh hey, D.W., we just- must redistribute the means of kissing. <laughs> Is that all? Is, is that it? Is that your Karl Marx? The 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 bourgeoisie, uh, is ninety. I know I could do a birdie say it. I could be like ninety nine percent. The one percent are 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 taking ninety nine percent of the kisses. We need to redistribute the kisses to the Lucas, other ninety nine percent. Lucas, I gotta be honest with you. I really don't want to hear Bernie Sanders talking about kisses. You don't want to give me a kiss, Will. Oh, no. let, me, let me tell you something, Well, I, I want to give you a big old smooch, me, Bernie Sanders. President, of, <laughs> listen, I'd rather get a kiss from Bernie Sanders than, you know, Pete Buttigieg. The, is that how you say his last name? Buttigieg? Yes. Mayor Pete Buttigieg? Buttigieg? I thought it was Butt Geig. <laughs> I've been wondering how to say his last name forever, and it just looks like Butt Geig to me. <laughs> How do you say it? Buttigieg. Buttigieg. or Buttigieg. It is most certainly not Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> oh my gosh! I, I, I literally just never... Mayor Pete would do. I guess <laughs> this is literally the first time I've heard his name out loud, and I just realized I never under... <laughs> knew how to say his name. I just assumed. Oh my gosh, that's that tickles me. That's hilarious. <laughs> I'm gonna start calling him Pete Butt Gage. Go ahead. I, I guess I didn't know I was wrong until right now. <laughs> uh, so yeah, DW is trying to get inspiration from places to figure out how to get James to kiss her. So she tries the disguise. It doesn't work. She's at the mall with her mom. She sees like a western on TV and uh, sees the hero rescue the girl from the train tracks. And uh, they kiss. So he, she has the she has the idea to get stuck on the little merry-go-round, the push merry-go-round. And James helps her out, but she goes flying into the dirt, and he doesn't kiss her. Again, like this whole time, I think James is very cute. He's just very much doing what is asked to him or just taking everything at face value. He's not reading into this at all. It's... Yeah, you get the sense that, like, James doesn't really find this annoying or he doesn't enjoy it either. It's just like, this is what's happened. James is just along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then DW's final idea is when she sees Mom come home uh, 
with, uh, you know, an armful of groceries and uh, crying Kate. And we see a little bit of a rare peek at the more mundane life of mom and dad read. The dad takes Kate and gives mom a kiss. And then DW decides to copy this the next day. She brings in, like, a a baby doll and, like, spilling some milk. And she's just like, oh, what a day I've had. (laughs) It's it's actually very cute and kind of true to life about how uh, kids will uh, imitate adults. And... She ends up dropping, like, this plate of cookies and milk to try and get James's attention. But then she just ends up having a tantrum just like, what does it take to get, get to for you to kiss me? She just d- straight up does not know what to do. And she ends up ha- kind of having a bit of a tantrum about it, or at least kind of getting there. And then get James, smooth operator, just gives her a kiss on the cheek and says, I left my cookies on the radiator and bounces. <laughs> James is stone cold. I love James. James is pretty cool. I would like to see more of him. I like him as just kind of the ve- the most straightforward person he's, on the show. He's if we were gonna do like one of those D and D like character sheets of like you know the alignments, James is definitely true neutral. He's like um, he's like Orange Cassidy, but without the intent to do as little as possible. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, DW gets her kiss on the cheek and kind of doesn't feel any different and. Emily rushes out to her after it's the school day and was like, wow, he kissed you on the cheek. I, oh, it was Pierre. Pierre was the kid's name. Pierre oh, yeah, just kissed course. Pierre just kissed me on the hand, which I did a big wipe of my head because I thought that this four-year-old was getting kissed on the mouth and I was not okay with it. <laughs> but the hand is fine. The hand is fine. We can do that. And the episode ends with, again, the Tibbles thinking that DW wants to kiss them, but she just wants to hang out and them running away because they don't want her cooties. I'm glad. That, listen, this episode could always be worse. And when the, the Tibbles were initially worried about cooties, I was like, oh, God, are we doing this again? Mm. Um, so I'm glad it wasn't that. No, it was a very it was not, hardly at all uh, focused on was that particular yeah. part of it. And you're right. That's a very good point. Well, could be worse. Lucas, I think it's time to show our cards here. So in terms of our first episode, Flea to Be, You and Me, what did you make of that? I mean, like, it's not bad. I just miss Arthur. I'll tell you what. It doesn't feel like an episode of Arthur. That's my biggest problem with it is that, Mm -hmm. you know, Pepe is a character we've never seen before, and I just don't really care about his little adventure. I watch Arthur to see all my favorite Arthur characters, and it would be different if this was, like, a new kid that's going to be hanging out with the gang or even a new animal that's moving in the neighborhood so to be with the pal and, and Kate stuff. But, like, Pepe's never going to show up again. So I just don't really care. Like, and, and like we said before, I was into all the cultural stuff and learning about all the different places. And, and I thought the, the, the Japanese cricket was cool. And I, I, I liked all that stuff in the setting. But I don't know. I, I would have rather they did something with... A pre-existing, like, let Tony go on this adventure. I don't care. Like, a, a character that's going to show up again. I just, this episode really got me missing Arthur and the gag in a way that I had it before. And I really do think, you know, initially I was really confused why everybody kind of was so negative on the Kate and Pal stuff, the talking Kate and Pal stuff. Because when it mm. first showed up, I thought it was really fresh. And I was like, okay, this is like a whole new layer to the show. We have this stuff about... DW on the playground we have the stuff about Arthur and his friends um and now we have this kind of this third wrinkle which is like Kate and Pal's adventures but when I was like oh god this is another Kate and Pal episode after we've again gone what did you say like six nine episodes without Arthur um 
Yeah, about, like, yeah, but, yeah, but six. Yeah, six. I was like, can we get back to the, the gang? Like, dude, anyway. Um, so this episode on its own isn't that bad or anything, but I think it's hurt by the fact that, like, I don't really care about Pepe. And I think it's hurt by the fact that, like, when we watch all these episodes in a row, it's been so long since we've just kind of had a regular Arthur episode. And I miss it. You know, that's a really good point, and I don't think that I would have been able to articulate that even to myself until you mentioned that there. You're right. Um, that's I, I, I also – you made some really good points there. It, it, it's I, – I, I, if there's if I do nothing else on this on this show after a hundred episodes, it's repeat myself. So I'll try and keep it. I'll try, I'll try and keep it brief. But like, yeah, Arthur's at its best when it's doing things, when it's saying things and dealing with messages in only in a way that only it can. This felt like it could have been an episode of any cartoon. Yeah, it's like ep- it's it's five or goes west, right? Like it's it's mm. it could have been anything. Like when when the part when I really like highlighted that is like when the. The, the flea is riding on the mouse. I was like, this could literally be anything. Yeah. And you and you you and I both enjoyed the educational parts of this episode. And I think that was probably a good way to get that in and a, kind of a novel way to do that. But it was also just like, yeah, I end up missing the characters that I came here for. And, you know, the... The, the Pepe voice is kind of funny at first, and then it's just like 10 minutes in, and I'm like, oh, brother. Like, <laughs> like, I, and, but, but you're right. It's not a it's not a terrible episode or anything, and it, I wouldn't even call it bad. And like I ended up kind of enjoying it in spite of myself because I remember starting it and being like, oh, man, this is the episode. But I kind of <laughs> It's funny that we it. both had that exact same reaction. <laughs> yeah, I kind of war- warmed up to it after a while, to be honest with you, but it's still like... I'm not going to look at this as like an all-time great Arthur episode. It's just like I'm I'm kind of waiting to get back to what we came here for. Yeah. Um and then with Kiss and Tell, it's like, okay, step in the right direction. We're dealing with characters that we know, We've, you know, DW, Emily, the Tibbles, yeah, and Emily. we're introducing a character like James a little bit, which is nice. But then it's also like, I got to be honest with you, it in case you couldn't tell from some of my reactions, it's kind of just a weird story to interact with. As an adult, there's no other way to kind of go about that. It's just not something that I ever really wanted to watch outside of being a kid. It just kind of made me feel uncomfortable. Uh, have you ever... There's an episode of Adventure Time from season five called All the Little People. Um, and okay. I, I don't have this from memory. I'm looking at the wiki article right now. But I was like, this episode reminded me of this episode of Adventure Time. Because at the time, this episode of Adventure Time really creeped me out. And I thought it was really strange. Um, but it's like Finn the Human gets all these dolls, these like magic dolls of all of his friends. Um, and now, of course, this is dealing with subject matter, which is like Finn the Human is supposed to be like 15. So it's, it's a little bit of a different story. But he's much older. And I think it's supposed to be an analogy for you know, coming to terms with going through puberty. And, and and basically what Finn does is he makes all the dolls kiss each other. And when he does that, it makes, like, his actual friends kiss each other. And what he, the lesson he learns in that episode is not to mess with other people's lives and stuff like that. But even at the time, and even though it's older people involved, that episode I don't think quite nails what it's going for. And it's kind of – it's really creepy and off-putting, especially for a show like Adventure Time. Uh, it's one of hmm. the, the Adventure Time episodes I have bigger problems with because I'm like, ugh, it just kind of skeeves me out and is a little bit unclear and confusing um and kind of for different reasons like it's kind of it's going for a different thing here even though the subject matter still regards kissing but it 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 made me feel a similar way where i was like "Ah, this this dw's one mission to get kissed is a little little strange here um 
And, and so if, if my negative feelings about that episode stem from that kind of just that sense of unease, that vibe that you're speaking to. Now, the actual, you know, storytelling components of the episode, I actually liked. I, I think the writing is really funny in that episode. DW has a ton of really good lines. Like, I think there was those hats in Thunderdance. Um, you know, Tommy Tibble and I did cannibals for the, in the pool for four whole hours. Um, the the uh, DW, the classic DW misspeaking and, and like getting sayings wrong. It's it's fun throughout. I think the Tibbles and the brief time we spend with them are pretty funny in this episode. Um, James is great and just kind of his like shrugging shoulders down for whatever. Um, I think James is going to be a good addition to the preschool. Uh, I mean, we talked a little bit about this earlier. E- Emily is the worst. <laughs> um, you there's know, so- I- there's something about her like anglicized pronunciations of French words, like when she's like "la vache." Mm. Uh, I'm like, okay, like let's let's roll it back a little bit. Um, but all that being said, like, yeah, like this is not it because it kind of skeeved me out. This is not an episode I'm gonna rush out to watch again anytime soon. Um, but I didn't not enjoy it. I certainly liked it more than, um, the first episode we watched this week. Yeah. Low bar on a a bit of a lower bar on that one though. But I gotta, like, I gotta say, I, I, I think you make a good point that, uh, we do need to, um, acknowledge the fact that this was, this did have some very funny lines to it. It kept true to the character. Like I, it's, it's not, I didn't dislike it because, you know, no, nobody's acting like themselves. DW again trying to keep up with Emily. DW uh, remains this... great. DW really is the yeah, star of this episode. Totally. So it, it's it, again, it's definitely not a bad episode of Arthur. It's just like you said, not exactly going to be looking to watch this one again afterwards. And no. you know, this this late in the season eight, uh, we're in danger of the season uh, ending on a whimper instead of a bang. So hopefully, we got one more episode to write the ship. So hopefully, we can. Yeah, and, and hopefully it's got – I don't know if you've heard of this guy named Arthur. Uh, let's see. Let's hope he makes an appearance in the next episode. You know, I don't know if you know about this. This, 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 art, this is Aardvark I know, Arthur Reed. Um, I think his name might be on the show, and it just – it would be nice to hear from him. Well, I mean <sighs> – I mean, they got they got a lot of they got a lot of people. They they got a lot of masters to please here. They got a lot of characters to shuffle through. But maybe we can make time for the person who brought us here in the first place. Well, we've got another. That that, that uh, being that being said, well, we got a mm. lot of characters to shuffle through. Yet we spent an episode with Pepe the Flea. <laughs> it's like when they brought up the NXT kids, and oh, it's just God. like, well, we could be spending time on Rusev for goodness sakes. Uh, yeah, be careful what you wish for there. So we've got one more episode left of Arthur season eight, and then after that, we're we're flying blind. I don't know what any of these episodes are after this one. So, and it seems Lucas that next time here on Elwood City Limits, we're gonna be talking about an episode that a few of our listeners have been looking forward to, and I, that I, would be. I, I believe that'll be in the new year as well. If I'm looking, uh, oh, no, never mind. We'll we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that off air. Yeah. So stay tuned. Okay. Uh, it's as far as what will happen next episode. It will be the combination of Big Horns George and Bleep. <gasps> okay. I uh, I was feeling pretty negative about the state of season eight. I was feeling uh, in my feelings about it. Uh, yeah. But I just got an adrenaline shot of positivity. All right, so whether it is for the rest, whether it is again in December or into 2020, 
uh, Elwood City Limits will be wrapping up Season 8 very, very soon and moving on into yet undiscovered waters for uh, your two hosts here. Or at least for me, Lucas, you, I don't know how familiar you are with episodes beyond this season. Maybe more so than me. We're going we're gonna to figure it out because I don't remember. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Check out our new T-shirts and, uh, well, continue having yourself a great holiday or just having a great particular time of year. My name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini... Yo, Romeo, I haven't got all day, you know. We'll see you next time.